0: Hello and thank you for clicking and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One Podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. We are here at Aelita in St. Louis, Missouri. It's 2019. Um, I think it's the 16th or 17th Aelita. And Bill, you and I, I'm here with my good friend Bill Harvey. Mm -hmm. You and I have known each other for probably 10 years. Whole, whole 16 seven oh, yeah, yeah yeah a, a good long while um, one of the areas of expertise that you talk about is emergency management right. so uh, I know that you've instructed it here and I know that you've you've done a great deal of instruction uh, back at your home agency and in the surrounding area tell me a little about what the, what are some of the high points of, that you teach uh, about emergency management
1: one of the things that I look at is this is I'm trying to break down communication silos.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, silos are great if you're a farmer and you need them, but we do not need communication silos in emergency services. And I always call us the purple people because if you take the blue from police, the red from the fire, the green from EMS, we're purple people. We should all be together. And in reading so many after-action reports of shootings and some other tragedies that went on, uh, the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing because, and this is not radio communications that we're speaking about, but prior planning. You know, we've got a major event. We've got extra cops there. Do we have extra medical support? Does fire know that we're there in case it's a mass casualty? And so getting everybody on the same sheet of page in planning, uh, me as an emergency manager, one of the things that I do is as we set up, uh, you know, incident support plans, which could mysteriously become an emergency operations plan, what we like to do then is push them out so we have the fire model the police model the EMS model and everybody holistically knows what's going on now one thing police have a tendency to forget about is public works nothing happens without logistics you know it's great to say we've had flooding we've got to do reintroduction to get the citizens back in but then everybody's got flat tires why well we need a street sweeper to come through first because of debris how does that happen? you got to have it in public works. Nobody has it in their police fleet. So that is one of the things we look at. The other things, too, is this. So many businesses want to come in and work with communities. And let's say we're going to have a concert or we're going to have a downtown festival or something or another. So you got the promoters and the municipalities working together and saying, hey, let's just throw this thing. Mm. Uh, I always say there are three L's. One is what we're doing legal. Is what we then when I talk about the legal side is you know does it require licensing street closures uh... what about the liquor laws or what about the firework laws or such as that uh... the next thing I ask what's the liabilities involved do they have insurance are we insured for such event what liabilities are we doing you know such as uh... are the food trucks licensed you know you gotta have a health code uh, permitting to bring in petting zoos you know you don't want to bring in an infected animal, whatever, to, you know, get the children sick. And then finally, the next one is logistics. Do we have the logistics to support this? I've seen some places say we need to sell 10,000 tickets, but you've only got an arena that holds 5,000 people. <laughs> you know, so it, what are the logistics? Right. And, and even working, I, this has really been strange. I'm working with some houses of worship, churches, whatever you want to call it, and a lot of them nowadays are renting out their churches, Uh, recreation halls or you know whatever for extra income I get that but I said do you have the logistics to support this you know if you're going to rent it out you know you got to have tables chairs little simple things like that but do you have systems in place to make sure the safety's there so I look at people and I say three L's is it legal what are our liabilities and do we have the logistics to support it And that usually makes people start thinking because it gets down to who's carrying the freight, who's paying for this. Uh, Yes, it's beneficial for your city to have this nice festival and make it look like a wonderful place to live in, but whose budget is it coming out of and what's the promoter paying for? Mm -hmm. And so as you bring all these people to the table, sometimes not everybody buys in or not everybody understands uh, who's carrying the load.
0: So this is... This is emergency management before the emergency happens. That's it. This is this is this is the the prescription for the medication that prevents a heart attack. Correct. This is the you know the, the you're creating solutions to problems that haven't be, begun yet, right?
1: Right. A, a friend of mine, everybody knows, Gordon Graham.
0: Yeah. if it's predictable, it's preventable. That's,
1: and that's it, right there. You took the words out of my mouth. And when you sometimes you look as an emergency manager, or when you're teaching emergency management. A lot of people say the sky's falling. No, mm-hmm. it's not falling. But the problem of it is emergency management is in gray. Laws are in black and white because we have to deal uh, with things as they evolve. Well, yeah,
0: it's a di- emergency management is a, d- a dynamic, rapidly unfolding event where you have to basically just—I don't want to use the word "improvise" because that's an r- irresponsible word—but you have to you have to adapt, ad- adjust, and overcome.
1: The way I tell everybody is. How you have your plan set. Mm -hmm. When something goes wrong, your first 20 minutes into the response writes the script for the movie. Mm -hmm. Now either we're gonna have a, a, a movie that's gonna come out uh where everybody is happy with it, or we're gonna have a horror flick. And that's basically what I'm trying to prevent. Make sure your first 20 minutes doesn't write a bad script of the movie. Uh I see a lot of mistakes made. A lot of people make a lot of assumptions. One of them is an emergency is not the place for introductions. You should have your networking, you should have uh, relationships already built. I build it on the two phone call principle. I want everybody in their phone, we used to have Rolodexes for guys like, gray haired guys like Dave. You and me, yeah. But when I look at it as I said, I want a two phone call response. What does that mean? If I come to you and say, Doug, we have this particular situation. Your response is, let me call a guy. Okay, yeah, this is the other fellow you need to call. I don't have time to Google. I don't have time to go do research, read a white paper. We've got something evolving. So if we don't have an answer in two phone calls, we're having a bad day. And the longer the clock ticks, the less flexibility you have. So um, it's kind of like when we were a kid, you know, when you uh, had a bad report card and you didn't get your mom and dad to sign it until, you know, Monday morning. You know, does it putting things off make it any better? No, it makes it worse. My favorite truism is this: surprises are great on your birthday. They suck in emergency <laughs> management so um, and police are notoriously have always said there's always a the guy over there that's going to do this planning you know and every department usually has that one old guy that does the old gal that does the uh, planning, but when they retire, that goes to institutional knowledge, yeah. And then also, too, where is everything kept? Not on a J drive or not on a hard drive, but it was between his ears or in his cell phone or in his Rolodex. So we've got to train new people to be these planners. And unfortunately, you know, we're here at Alita, and you're seeing all the, you know, the weaponry systems and defensive tactics systems and all the cool stuff. Planning sometimes is not exactly sexy. Uh, You know, you're not the most popular kid in the room sometimes. But then again, too, when things go right and things fall into place, everybody says, "Thank goodness you were here."
0: Well, that's also the, the occasions where there were no headlines when nothing happened. Right. Right. I mean, and it's very difficult to be the hero and mm-hmm. finger quotes in the air. Right. You know, being the planner, um, being getting all the recognition for stuff that didn't didn't happen. Right. right? I mean, it, the heroes are the responders who, right. when something cooks off and we're right of bang you know to use the terminology from the book then all, all of those coppers all those ems guys all those firefighters they go in and take care of business but the real hero is the person who prevents that stuff from happening for, to begin with left the bang is in my bank.
1: and the one of the things i always say is this if nothing bad happens you're good you have a historical foundation for next year also to the insurance companies love it oh yeah the uh, underwriters from most insurance companies say let's see your plans and they even give uh, preferred rates because you have planning in place they don't like you know, these undesirable unplanned events either the, uh, the historical perspectives are there and you build on it uh, you take your after-action report or what we call the hot wash refine for next year and then next year, it is not as difficult because you know what works, when it's going to work. Well, you've got
0: a template. You've got a model. You've got proven Correct. practices.
1: Correct. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I'm also, too, looking at this is we are doing a health and hazard evaluation. Uh, it's a HERA. And I'll give you an example, like the one I have to do. I produce one big one for, like, the 4th of July events. Um, and it's only about two or three pages. It's kind of a safety briefing. Uh, especially for volunteers. Because I have volunteers show up to work in a crowd of thousands of people. And why do you wear flip-flops? Well, it's summer. No, you need, a, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need shoes that <laughs> yeah. are comfortable. Also shoes with, or a, boots perfect, or something. Yeah, yeah. correct. Uh, you know, you do the, uh, the hydration, you, you know, SPFs. Should we have wasp things, you know, during the summer? Uh, Wintertime, you might do, you know, the chill factors and things of like this. But when you do evaluations, now, one of my students came back and told me, said that, he did an event in South Florida, and he said that when he actually produced a hero, because they have a lot of tourists, and it's kind of like, do not get between the alligators and the water, because that's their safe haven, and they will come towards that. And so he said, I never thought I would do this, but I produced one just to say, don't play with the alligators, right. because you've got tourists who may think they're cute. So uh, it's safety for everybody.
0: Yeah um bill thank you very much for all of the training that you do not just here at Iida uh, but uh, you know back in your home agency and in, in the region that you work in uh, and thank you again for your time today appreciate it
1: awesome Been a pleasure always
0: Doug Wiley police one thank you again for clicking and thank you for listening to policing matters thank you